um, one thing that always kind of like I, I found fascinating with like Indian people is that when they come in and I tell them things that make it, you know, help them understand that this is a physical issue. Like, yeah. look, just the way that your doctor would explain to you how you have heart disease. Yeah. And I would tell you how you have mental health issues. They're like, yeah. oh, okay, then I will take my money. Do you have a name for this podcast yet? Do you have any ideas for a name? Yeah. How about uh, David's Harp? David's Harp. And let's go. All right, so welcome to uh, the podcast, Jolly. Thank you, thank you. And uh, how are you doing today? Pretty good, just finished with work. So hopefully I'm all there to have this discussion, but uh, <laughs> I will try my best. <laughs> all right, yeah. So for all those people who are listening, just want to introduce to you my friend Jolly, who lives in Austin, Texas. And uh, we're going to be talking about her and what she does. And we're going to talk about mental health uh, because she's somebody who knows about the topic more than I do. So I wanted her, her to be a part of this conversation. So Jolly, why don't you introduce yourself and uh, kind of tell us what you do? Yeah, so I'm a physician assistant and I work as a uh, psychiatric physician assistant in Austin. Um, and I've been doing this for several years and um, really loving it. I was always intrigued by psychiatry and the way that the mind works. But um, the more that I've started or, or been in practice, um, I realized like there's so much more to know. And so it's been an amazing journey just to be in this field um, and to have, um, I think, a unique perspective on it because one, uh, just in my field, PAs are typically, you will find them more in like primary care settings. So there's not okay. a lot of psychiatry PAs out there. Um, so that's one factor. And then second, uh, I think uh, in all the conferences that I've been, um, I don't see that many faith-oriented psychiatrists or, psych- mm. or, or psychiatric PAs at least. So right. um, sometimes I feel like I'm on this journey kind of solo, um, mm-hmm. not really having, uh, you know, that kind of, not being able to have these discussions with a lot of my colleagues. Yeah. But I think it also provides me a very, with a very unique perspective on the profession, which I continue to kind of digest slowly. Right. And thanks for, I mean, of course, we're going to go there, like faith and being a psychiatrist uh, or bring these two totally opposite ideas and, you know, kind of reconciling them. But then how did you get into this? Like, how did you decide growing up that this is what you wanted to do? So uh, when I was growing so my mom is a, is a nurse um, and or was a nurse. And so she did her uh, nursing in mental health, uh, right. being a psychiatric uh, nurse. And so, so it's in your um, blood. Yes, it's, 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 in a way it's in my blood, yeah. So when we grew up, like my parents had this huge library and my mom used to have all these books. So growing up, I read a lot, a lot of like psychiatry books. Right. And of course, I didn't really have much idea of what that was, but it was just, you know, back in the day, like the field was not anywhere close to where it's now. So it was like the most intriguing thing for me. Um, right. And so that kind of... Um, uh, was always in the back of my head and uh, growing up I thought I was going to go into nursing and my mom always joked she's like no you don't have the heart for it Please don't <laughs> you need a special person to be a nurse you don't have that kind of heart 
she found out that I like psychiatry, she's like, yeah, 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 that's a very good field for you because, you know, for psychiatry, like, you need to be very objective. You can't bring all the, 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 um, uh, what's it called? Like all these problems, uh, like you need to be able to separate the patient and yourself. You can't right. too much. And so she's like, yeah, yeah, that's a good, good field for you. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And then I just continued to, um, uh, explore that area more and yeah i just fell in love with it right that's good and you 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 went to college uh, and you graduated in psychology yeah and well so we I, i graduated as a pa and then the good thing about the pa profession is that you can uh, go from one specialty to the, to the next Got and it. so typically when you graduate most people uh, start out in a psychiatry in a primary care setting right. and then over the time if they feel like there's something else that they're interested in, they can just kind of jump to that specialty got so it i was able to jump into psychiatry right away i did like a special like a kind of a specialized like mini residency type of program right is a pa program for about three months in, in psychiatry yeah and it's just for everyone listening when the first time i met jolly i actually thought she is uh not she's from like sri lanka or something i didn't know if i ever said that to you <laughs> no you haven't and then later when i started speaking to you when somebody said this her name is jolly i thought is she a punjabi or something <laughs> and then uh and then your husband he told me you know she she actually grew up in punjab because i mean i could never have figured it out so yeah. how how did that come about like uh, like you being in punjab and then moving here um so my parents were uh they met and got married in punjab so i was mm-hmm. born and brought up in punjab right. um and then when i was around 14 years old my parents moved to america um same old story mom's a yeah. nurse so she got a job here and we all <laughs> moved with her <laughs> so yeah i've been here um and i haven't uh, still have to come across another um Malayali Punjabi. Malayali Punjabi. Yeah, that's uh, like I know one another guy who is a Malayali Punjabi. Uh, is 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 a friend of mine from Delhi, and uh, his his mom was a Malayali, but dad was actually a Punjabi, and then he he got married. Uh, his his mom got married, and then he has like a semi Punjabi Malayali accent and stuff oh, like that. Oh, cool. It's, it's, pretty cool yeah. guy he's he's also in gz youth actually um so that's good yeah. all right well, so go ahead yeah. <laughs> no no i was going to say like for those of you who don't know the way that i met david was okay. two years of seeing david all over the world with all of my friends and just that's caring tr- about this guy that's true and everybody's like you don't know david i'm like apparently i know david but i don't know david exactly. and then finally of all the places to meet uh, we meet in dallas we had like, so we many common dallas. friends Yeah. Right. We still have of course they have not, they have not gone. Yeah. <laughs> still my friends, I don't know about you. I don't know, no, no, no. I'm still my friends too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I I I rarely lose friends but yeah. But then yeah, this is this is true actually because and I was I I just realized it was like those were the good days man. I used to travel around the world yeah. and meet so many people and uh, and now Yeah, that was fun times, you know, and uh, and it's also kind of, you know, I was just thinking um I kind of miss that just the mm-hmm. traveling bit and now it's covid and you kind of stuck, you know. I was really hoping this year to travel. Yeah. Like maybe yeah. now we were really discussing like, you know, 2020, 2020, okay, mm-hmm. we're going to start traveling. But then yeah, I mean we got to deal with uh, the situation. But yeah. yeah, how are you guys doing with covid, right? So um you mean us as a city or No, as... you you and your husband, yeah. Yeah. Um we're doing pretty okay. Um so we are uh we started isolating about four weeks ago. Cool. Um and I think 
being in the medical community kind of helps out because I think you start to understand the seriousness and all the updates kind of get to you a little bit faster than the general public. So right. uh, when we kind of started to see all the data coming in from the eastern side of the globe, um, we were like, okay, we're not sure where this is going to go, but it's probably a good idea to start isolating. So it's been about four weeks for us um, since we moved into a new house. I think it came at a really good time. So we've been pretty busy. Right. Um, so we haven't had to find insane ways to keep ourselves busy <laughs> like the way that you see in the internet. Yeah. Um, but did, it's did a, you guys it's also go on a cooking spree? Uh, no, well, we we haven't had to. Again. Okay. I wish I just started cooking again because we finally moved in. Nice. Um, I uh, like all my stuff was packed up, and uh, we were we weren't able to eat anything that I could mm. make because we thought we were gonna move. You know, almost three weeks ago. Yeah. So it's been a ride, but it's it's been it's been good. Um, yeah, it's been an adjustment. I've never worked before. Yeah. Um, and so uh, this is really good. This yeah. is awesome. You I, like that, right? Work I from love home. it. <laughs> I love it so much. Yeah. So in, uh, professionally, uh, when it comes to working then for how, how, what kind of, how does your day look like then as a PA? So um, I go in um, in the morning around eight, like we start the day at 830 there. Right. Um, and I see patients back to back all day. We Got have it. lunch and then um, I get done around five, five thirty. Got it. Um, and Typically, it's um, anywhere from, you know, maybe 15 minutes to 20 minutes to about an hour, hour and a half with nice. each patient. Yeah. Um, and it's face to face. Yeah. Yeah. So this is. But, this but now since you're working from home, do you get to do this virtually? Yeah. So we are okay. using video and we try to do that as much as possible. I think some of our older folks are not quite tech savvy, so we might have to call them up. But yeah. Um, video is the most, it is the best one because I think it, it makes a huge difference when you're seeing a person face-to-face -face in the psychiatric yeah. setting right. um, to really see how they're doing, their body language and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my understanding of uh, like this whole field used to be based on movies. <laughs> and mostly it was like, um, like somebody who's in love Mm -hmm. He's on a couch and he's talking to a psychiatrist and he's like, oh, I'm in love. And yeah. they're basically talking about something uh, that's breaking their heart or something. Mm -hmm. it, it used to be like that. And I mm -hmm. remember I was I had some time uh, in 2013 when I was like totally jobless. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know why I went to Coursera and I did like an introduction to psychology course from the University of Toronto. So, <laughs> I, have, <laughs> so I have this basic idea of what Freud said the ego and stuff like that. And I just, the whole, um, some of the things, I don't remember everything exactly. Do you also sit like that? And is that your setting when you work in, or just sitting in front of each other? So um, we, I do have a couch. I do have a nice couch. <laughs> and, <laughs> so uh, it's not, it's, it's not fake that it, it is it's based on something. Fake, okay. But, yeah. um, but it's it is it's very different uh, because no they don't lie down on the couch it's oh, yeah. more of a proper sofa type of couch so they're oh, yeah. comfortable enough but not so comfortable that you know they're gonna stay there the whole day. <laughs> Got um, it. So, uh, but so I think what you were seeing and I think a lot of movies portrayed this because at some point I think the psychiatry profession did both. Uh, they mm. did the 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 medication part of it, which is what psychiatry really is it's all about medications and and the the medicine part of it right right um and how things interact with your body and and, and that kind of stuff but um 
but at the same time, they would also do therapy, which is what counselors, therapists, psychologists, like that category. Right. Um, and so I think probably because they did both, and I think probably the, the, the point that the movies were trying to make, they would have you believe that that's really what's going on. But now I think, and probably over the years, the, the, the field has evolved so much because I think we have yeah. amazing therapists, you know, who are really awesome at their job now. Right. Uh, or have been but like there's so many more of them um because mental health is rising and so um there's yeah. so many of them so we don't necessarily have to do that all the time and uh it's very um fortunately we can refer them out um, so what i do both um most of my day is spent in medication management my like within in our clinic all of us see everything right. all the way from depression ADHD, um, bipolar, schizophrenia. Well, so I'm the only person in my clinic that sees schizophrenia. That's okay. kind of like my specialty. Yeah. And so bipolar, schizophrenia is kind of what like I lean towards. Right. Um, but uh, we we technically see everybody, and so because of because of the nature of the the population that I see, Got I it. focus a lot more on the medication management. Yeah. But I do have another kind of uh, population which mainly deals with anxiety, depression, ADHD, right. um, and even with some bipolar patients, there is therapy that is needed. So um, that's when the couch comes in handy. <laughs> okay. so we spend a good amount yeah. of time with doing therapy. Right. So for everyone listening, how how does um like I know bipolar and schizophrenia, how 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 are they different? Like I thought schizophrenia is also about multiple personalities. Am I right or wrong? I mean so those those are three different things. Okay. Um, so uh, bipolar. So let, let's start with psychosis. Psychosis mm-hmm. is where you're having hallucinations and delusions, and um, you know when uh, layman's term, like where you're typically hearing or seeing right. things that are not right. There, right? So uh, schizophrenia is when you're having those symptoms all the time. Okay. Uh, obviously, when it's not managed. Um, bipolar is when you're having days of feeling very what we call like high where you have a lot of uh, energy less sleep you feel very productive you feel like a chipmunk on coffee right irritable your anxiety might be through the roof you feel you know like you're invincible and that kind of high lasts for a few days and then you it's kind of like riding a wave and then you crash Mm. and then for the next several days two weeks you feel very depressed almost suicidal Um, and then in that high phase, when it's very high, what we call bipolar one, you can have psychosis. I see. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily have to have that to be for somebody to be bipolar. Got it. Um, and then multiple personality, that's more of personality disorders. And that's extremely rare. Like right. to this day, the, the psychiatry field is still trying to figure out whether that's really a thing or not, or if it's mm. a if it's because in in the entire world, I think the diagnosed cases are less than one percent. That um, if you are diagnosed with it, you automatically kind of, you know, you're supposed to kind of report it right. for study and research purpose. But there's a lot of people who get overdiagnosed with it, and then when it eventually comes down to it, uh, they realize that it's not the right diagnosis. Okay, so it's very very rare. Um, yeah. but it's a it's it's. It's, uh, it doesn't have those highs and lows. It doesn't have these voices or you know, things that you're seeing and hearing, which is outside of yourself, what we call psychosis. 
Um, it's more of a personality disorder. It comes under a, person, uh, a category of diagnosis called personality yeah. disorder. I think the reason why it came to my mind was because of another movie that I saw. Like it was split. And uh, I think, yes, that good and movie. <laughs> it was a good movie actually. Yes, it was yeah, 24 or 24-25 personalities within one guy, yeah. right? And you were talking about uh, this increasing nowadays, like mental health is on the it's increasing or uh, we are more aware of it do you think this was something that was happening before and we just ignored it as a society and we're just becoming more acceptable especially in the, in america people are becoming more accepting of it to go back to india this is not something that people are yet aware of it's just what it is you know so what why do you think that that difference is there so i, I don't think it's so i think it's both i think it is increasing as okay. well because of the factors that lead to mental health issues are increasing. Um, but also because it's being more accepted, it's being more talked about and the right. stigma is being challenged. Um, more people are coming forward and we're getting more and more people who are now seeking help as well. Got it. Um, yeah, but. So what, uh, what are those factors that you, that you think are on the rise right now that might be causing uh, this effect? So, um, some of the things that we typically work with patients, right, um, uh, on are um, one is so sixty uh, sorry ninety percent of the chemicals that regulate your moods and emotions are made in your gut. So right. in this sense, you literally are what you eat, eat. or you feel what you wow. eat, right? So uh, because of our dietary changes and what's happening all around the world with you know food adulteration and a lot of things that we are finding in our but in the way that the food industry is changing, it is causing gut changes okay. and uh, a response in the gut, which is then traveling to the brain, which is then disrupting all of this. So you can see uh, there's actually an emerging field called nutritional psychiatry, Got where it. they focus specifically on how when we change the diet of a few patients, like how that changes their symptoms. And so mm -hmm. you see the same thing in autism and ADHD that when we do specific like carb specific diet or anti-inflammatory diets, we see right. a huge reduction in symptoms. Wow. And we see a lot of uh, like teenagers, right? I have a lot of kids who come in and I mean, their diet is just horrible. Mm. Um, I mean, they, they probably wouldn't have eaten a vegetable or a fruit or anything that doesn't come out of a box in right. about four to five weeks. And that's like unimaginable. Mm. Um, and so you know, they're on so many, like they're on multiple medications over the counter for sometimes diarrhea, sometimes constipation, they're not right. drinking water. So their entire just physiology is messed up. Got it. And that's happening more and more all over the world. And so that's a huge thing. Another factor is um, physical health, right? So now food is directly causing issues with physical health. We're spending a lot of time in front of our screens. And uh, because of that, there is minimal physical activity. We don't do a lot of work now. Like, you know, in India, we used to like, yeah. people used to go out and they would, you know, like play out in the streets or they right. would uh, work in the farms or whatever the case was. It's like very hands-on type of society. Yeah. We're losing that more and more. And as we become more and more stagnant, uh, it's having that effect on the body, which is increasing uh, depression and anxiety or, or at least the risk factors for it. Um, and then the other thing is um, the um, the expectations that we have from our environment, right? Mm. Especially in this, and so this is 
definitely more um, that we see with our adolescent and younger kids. Yeah. The amount of time that they spend in front of the TV, like, you know, the get the ads and um, videos um, right. being geared for instant gratification. And yeah, video games. Yeah, exactly. That their focus can't be maintained, that they need, need to be, you know, engaged 24-7. Right. And so when that engagement isn't there, that instant gratification isn't there, they feel very let down. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and then we're also engaging in this sort of like virtual environment, which is giving us everything that we need. Right. And so when uh, that doesn't play out in reality, again, yeah. there's this kind of let down because kids aren't mature enough or formed enough to realize that that is not reality. Got like, it. Expectations yeah. are very, very different. And, you know, before I remember when I was growing up, my parents would always say like, you know, you can make all the plans you want, but, you know, it doesn't mean that life has to be fair. Like, True. Just, your best right but now that concept of like well life isn't fair doesn't sit well with a lot of people yeah and uh, often I have people like kids just coming in 11 12 years old who have had minor setbacks in life and just don't are not equipped to deal with to it. deal with it yeah, yeah yeah that's true this is something that I have also observed in my casual conversation with the kids like well, if something used to happen to us as kids, we would just, okay, we would just deal with it and forget about it and just move on, right? Mm-hmm. But nowadays, it's become a bigger deal. Um, and I think bullying also in schools mm-hmm. is probably one part of why some of the kids are kind of affected by that. Yeah. And right? and the bullying is is definitely very, very serious. That's the other thing that's also happening. I think yeah. as we're going into the virtual world. Um, you know, I remember when we were kids, um, bullying was just... I mean, it was a big deal, but it right. wasn't in the way that it was like, it could destroy you type of yeah. bullying. Right now, just recently, like two weeks ago, I had a patient coming in and she's a 13-year-old girl. And um, she has friends at school and they're on Snapchat and pretty classic story of this current population right. of posting something on social media. Somebody got a hold of it, passed it around in the school and incriminating photos. And the next day she goes in and the entire school's turned on her Yeah. and she gets up on the trailer and tries to jump. Oh, wow. Trying to commit suicide, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's pretty intense. The type of bullying that kids go through. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was growing up, I actually went through um, bullying myself. Like um, I had to move to a new school and I had kind of figured out a new set of friends and I kind of struggled with that. And I was also, kind of made fun for my color actually and that's mm-hmm. like the most common thing in India right oh mm-hmm. well so I went through all of that but I never really um went to this stage right where mm-hmm. you know I might have felt depressed or suicidal uh, I think today the difference is as you were saying uh, like we are all so virtually like we have to have a virtual presence we have as an individual we have an identity and we also need to have a virtual identity or the kind of the way we present ourselves Mm-hmm. Uh, virtually and all these kids have to be present online they every, they need to be, showcase a certain side of them and mm-hmm. it's challenging for every kid that they have to have that pressure of you know looking a certain way to be cool with certain kind of things to be accepted in the general uh, school society right? oh definitely i mean eating disorders from like 11 10 year old nine year old yeah know, um and this is something that i never even like thought was possible when I was studying for this profession you know right I knew these things existed but I never thought I would ever come across such young kids yeah um 
yes, definitely the image issue is there. Um, right. And nobody can, you know, I don't, I don't think feel, kids feel like they can be themselves because there's always this person that they have to be. Be uh, a show. A show yeah. yeah. And also, I think the other thing is um, uh, suicide or suicide attempts or self-harm is now glorified. Mm. Yeah. True. So it's, it's a very, um, it's a fad. So actually there was a, there was a recent uh, uh, study done uh, where when teen suicides were uh, starting to climb up, Mm-hmm. You could, you know, they would tell you like who it is and like what school it happened and it happened at and all that stuff. Right. But they realized that as more information was provided, it started to become this new thing. Yeah. 13 reasons why, right? Yes. And so what they had to do was like, now they don't publish any information, like who, right. who attempted suicide, who, who, who died or what school they were at. And I've had several teens come in and it's shocking how normal it is for them. You know, I, I just somebody, I just had uh, somebody who just like shrugged their shoulders, like, oh, yeah, one of my friends started to kill themselves. And I was like, <laughs> oh, and like, wow. what happened? Like, oh, you know, I mean, that kind of stuff ha- always happens. And I'm like, what yeah, you, if, kind of if, stuff if it was happens. one of our friends back in the day, we would just go slap a friend like, well, are you crazy? <laughs> exactly. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, doesn't that make you feel like something's wrong? You're like, oh, I don't know. I mean, it just happens everywhere. So wow. There's some just, sense of detachment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like people have just completely distanced themselves from this intimacy with another person because right. I I don't know. Like I guess it's much easier to take when you know if somebody ends up killing themselves. Oh man, yeah. I mean that's scary, right? And uh, you were talking about how it's a stigma. And speaking about the teenagers in particular, do you think parents have to do something? New generation parents, the new Gen X parents. Do you think? there's some issue there because do you think we're messing up something when it comes to parenting now i'm asking the question because i have an 18 month old daughter who's going to become a teenager so i want to make sure i have all the answers <laughs> um at least from what i've seen you know being in the movement and, and my own parents um and the way that they've kind of dealt with us and how they have changed over the years um definitely parenting is insanely hard right and right. you can never be the perfect parents um, but I think having a relationship where your child can come and talk to you right. is the most important thing. Yeah. Um, at least in a clinical setting, I can say that I have never been challenged so much. Like, you know, schizophrenia, I can deal with, you right. know, medications aren't working, we can deal with, but I can have a patient who doesn't have extreme symptoms Mm -hmm. but is going through depression and i can't figure out what's going on and why these medications aren't working because the relation and and there's nothing that we can do because at the end of the day the the relationship between the parent and the child is so broken because these Mm. kids are going through so much outside right yeah and when they come back in they need to belong to a place where they feel completely loved and accepted. And no matter how many mistakes they've made, how they've messed up um, and anything that they need to sort out, like they need to have that relationship with their parents um, to be able to, to kind of hash that out. Right. Right. And if they don't, then it's like, there's really not much you can do if they don't have a place to belong fully and completely and be who they are. If it's not at home. I was going to ask you the question, what's the number one important thing that parents should know nowadays? And that is to be communicative with their children, just talk to them. 
you know mm-hmm. just keep a check on them and you know I, when i was growing up and uh, i was i grew up in a malayali community talking to your kids was like huh, do we need to talk to our kids like it was like a like a weird thing but now nowadays i understand like how important it is to just be uh, with your children and just to spend time with them and give them a little bit of quality time right so that's essential you were talking about stigma and how we are kind of getting to know it and kind of be okay with it back in the day people like or people who are in faith do say or oh, take that jesus pill you will be fine <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> so uh, how does how do we reconcile that because there have been times when you know you're not in the mood or you're not feeling good or you're low you're going through an identity crisis and we'd say hey just um, hey jesus is there or which is true i mean of course mm-hmm. we have jesus and we can spend time in prayer and there are a lot of things that are revealed through us through the holy spirit but there's also a place where mental health needs to be handled in faith and and i think when you were talking initially when we started the conversation you were trying to see you're one of these unique people who is trying to reconcile faith and uh, being a psychiatrist or a pa you know how, what how do you feel we should be do, uh, looking at this these two perspectives sorry That's, about the big question no 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 <laughs> that kind of summarized you know yeah. what we were talking about uh, even before uh, you started recording but it's not as talked about and it's not very often that you come across these patients who are coming from a very like a faith background my goodness if i get a patient who's who has some sort of like catholic background or christian background like yeah. i am you know closing my door and thanking jesus for like bringing this wow. person to me because it's so rare to see somebody like that right it is it's important to be able to distinguish uh you know what is going on when it's very uh biological or physiological um in nature for example there's certain cases when we're talking about like schizophrenia right talking about bipolar disorder we're talking about you know postpartum that's mm-hmm. huge yeah because it is very driven by hormones and what's happening in your body and you have no control over that you know and, and even certain families that have generations and generations of people who are uh, who have been depressed have attempted suicide or you know that there's some mental health issues you know that there is a genetic predisposition there right um, and that it is a disease process right it's very uh, you know there's 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 always, there's always that joke going around right like <laughs> brain is the most important part of your yeah. body but that's the one that we neglect the most because most yeah exactly it, right? but it is it can be it can have a disease uh just like your heart and your lungs would be and and i often tell patients like you know sometimes when i have um bipolar patients who really need to be on medications because they're you know this close to going into jail uh right. for something that they're doing you know and they're like no i i don't want to be on medications what would people think of me i'm like so if you were having a heart attack or you're having an asthma attack you think that you're just going to overcome it because yeah that's the challenge so, right yeah yeah so um you know it is an organ and you have to give it that respect um, right. that and just like it does good things for you it can also do bad things Yeah. Um and when it when it comes to that you have to take care of it just the way that you would take care of your heart or your lungs. There are certain disease processes that are so that that are driven because of in in a, in a disease process type of way where something is misfiring, something is not being produced enough, some hormones or or chemicals are not being produced enough or absorbed enough and we have to recognize that that is happening and give it that due diligence, right? Right. um but at the same time the field itself is still like a little baby we don't mm. it's uh, the brain right i mean that's insane like yeah 
we don't know much about it. Yeah. And we have all these medications. And yes, you know, over the past year, tremendous strides in the field. But we're still nowhere close to being able to do what we can do for somebody with, you know, a heart issue or with a lung issue. Yeah. When we prescribe medications in psychiatry, there's a, there's a good chance that you're going to have to try four or five medications before you find the one that works the best for you. Oh, wow. I didn't know right? that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because there's so many, there can be side effects or it might just not work well enough for you because there's, Got it. there's a huge amount of the unknown there. Right. Mm. And so when we step into that area, you have to realize that um, sometimes even medications are not the answer. Mm. And really the only person that can provide that healing the word but okay. also even if your medications work right a lot of the things especially when it comes to depression and anxiety there's so many things that the medication can help with but the root cause of all of this other than the chemical imbalances maybe they have to be worked out with the lord got it right yeah. and at the end of the day you know especially like whenever i see somebody who's like a Christian or, or a Catholic, um, and and they give me the space to talk about faith. I always tell, and and you know, especially people who come from a background of faith, they come for help. By the time they're coming there, it's almost like somebody's like forcing them to be mm. there, and they're like, okay, I'm here, but I really don't want to take any medication. I feel like I really shouldn't be here, but I'm you know down to my last straw, yeah. and that's why I feel like I had to come here. And so I have this chat with them and I tell them like, you know, we, we will do what, what is necessary for you right now. But remember that at the end of the day, the Lord is the ultimate healer, right? And you need to have that faith and you need to, um, you know, see if this is the cross that the Lord is giving you. And when it is his will, he will take that away as well. Right. So that surrender uh, is extremely important. Yeah. Um, and then certain other diagnoses, again, maybe very chemical in nature, but also um, still require, you know, you can never, I think, especially in the field of psychiatry, the one thing that can um, really uh, just make sense to me is that these people are feeling something that cannot be explained, hmm. right? And it's kind of like, okay, for example, if somebody comes in and they're like, oh, I have the flu, right? I can empathize with them. Right. And because I've had some of the symptoms that maybe this person is is going through, right? right. Or at least if somebody's coming in because their appendix is bursting. Yeah. And I, I can feel the pain. Like I can at least empathize with them because I've had a stomach ache, right? right? Or I've had a back or something. But when somebody comes in and they're like, oh, you know, this is how I'm feeling. I'm hearing voices or I'm seeing things or, you know, I'm having these ups and downs. Yeah. You have no idea. But all you know is this person is sitting in front of you with so much sorrow and you cannot relate to that. Like yeah. you cannot relate to what's going on with this person. But that they're also, but also recognizing that they're coming to you and you have the privilege of them being there in front of you in their darkest moment in such despair. Yeah. And that that is the most beautiful place where nobody or nothing can reach except the Lord. Yeah, And so behind those closed doors, I have, I've had very profound moments of prayer and miracles. Um, and my patients have had such life-changing 
conversations and, well, you know, for both of us and, and healing has been happening uh, mm. because of not anything because of I've done or the medication has done or their therapy has done, but because the Lord has stepped into that situation yeah. and turned it around. Praise God. Oh, that is so amazing. You know, just to hear that, uh, like that experience, right? Well, how do you, how do you manage all, all talking to all these clients every half an hour, 45 minutes, like everybody is different and how, like as an individual, this is a lot of, lot of emotions and everything that you are taking as a person, right? And how do you navigate that? Because it, I struggle with it. Like if I, I can talk to one person, two person, but after a while it gets too much for me. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. So how do you, how do you manage all of that? So I know I it's your job, but yeah, but I think that's also one of the things that I think my mom was very right. Right. I think she said that I, I, the Lord has blessed me to be able to separate my work day from right. what happens after that. Um, and so that's why, you know, I, I think, it does take a toll. I am not going to lie. When I come back from work, I'm, you know, I would rather not talk to a lot of people except yeah. for a very, you know, like a small talk and things like that. I, I it's, it's, it's a little bit of a struggle for me. Yeah. Um, I think there's very particular topics like this. Like I love talking about mental health. So, <laughs> you know, even if I'm tired, like I will still, like I will have yeah. that joy in life in me when I'm talking about this. Right. But it does take a toll on you. Um, and I would not be able to do this if this, if it wasn't for my faith, I can honestly tell you, I had a breaking point. Um, and it was, uh, you know, uh, sometime as I started practicing and it wasn't, it was, maybe it was, yeah, maybe it was last year or something like that. I, I forget, but people are typically worried that you take in all these emotions, right? Yeah. For me, the opposite happened. Um, I realized that, I keep hearing these things and hearing these things and hearing these things that I became very apathetic. Mm. So whenever something bad would happen, I would be like, Oh, okay. Just one more bad thing, you know, like, so, and I kind of almost became, I kind of got walled off and pretty numb to bad things. Right. And so, um, and one, and then I got sick at some point and I wasn't able to go to work and I had like two days of just like this personal, retreat with the Lord and I just sat in adoration and I wasn't asking for anything specific but the Lord just kind of broke this wall and showed me this apathy that had built up and and I never like I really wanted to keep work where it was you know where that was and and I never had the habit of bringing my work into my prayer so I would pray at work Mm. right and I would just kind of leave it there, but I wouldn't, I would try to shut off everything as soon as I came back home or before I went to work. Right. And so my personal prayer didn't really have these aspects of my work. Work, yeah. And when that moment happened, after that, I really started bringing aspects of my work into my personal prayer and the Lord started purifying those areas yeah. um, and took away the sort of like, apathy and uh sometimes pretentiousness and some sense of numbness that you were going through yeah yeah, and and yeah and the sense of like wanting things to work out in a certain way for the patient and not because of any bad intentions Mm -hmm. but you know when you're seeing somebody for so many months you when they start to feel better or when they're not doing good then you feel like it's your fault right? right and and to be able to take that and um, look at where the Lord is 
placing me in their life and in that journey that they're, you know, that I'm accompanying them with all of those kind of intricacies of the, like the professional life started to get purified. Wow. And definitely without the time that I have in personal prayer. So I try to do my personal prayer mm-hmm. before work and then in the evening uh, for, you know, a shorter amount of time, but in case there's something kind of pending or happened at the day, mm-hmm. like did throughout the day, like that's where I take it. And that became a very crucial thing for me because before that, my professional life was going in a very different direction. Wow. This this whole conversation, I had not, we were talking about this before, like I have no real plan, but I am so, it's a profound conversation and it's it's revealing so many things about the field and for people like you who go through the situation, who talk to the clients and I personally feel you're doing some amazing work, you know, here and we need more conversations around this, you know, and um, of course, um, I got introduced to this, as I said, psychology was something that we used to hear and we used to, even in corporate circles, we, we tried different models, psychological models when we talk to people, when we want to hire some people. I personally experienced it um, uh, after we had our daughter and, you know, when my wife went through postpartum. That was like the time when I was like, dude, this thing is real, okay. I, I was like, uh, <laughs> I think that's when a man... <laughs> Yeah, I would have, I would love, I would have loved to see Mabel's reactions to it. Oh yeah, and you know what? I, I would tell her, you know, hey, you know, do this or do that, and you know, stuff uh, that I normally would say or like the Jesus pill kind of ideas, you know. Um, but then she was the one who kind of revealed to me and kind of told me, hey, this is a problem, not just for me. This is something that every woman goes through. And uh, so one of the questions that do you think the most common thing uh, when it comes to mental health, most, uh, if you kind of number it, is depression the highest mental health problem that we are going through right now as a society? Besides ADHD, at this point, more than three people have ADHD. Oh, wow. um, Diagnosed or undiagnosed. And actually, um, just because of the population, the most amount of... uh, uh, People who have ADHD, um, they're in India and China, mm. but not medicated. So right. the, the difference is there. Um, managed amount of ADHD is here. But again, I don't think that's so much of, it's a real issue, but not the, the way that maybe depression and anxiety can play into a person's right. life. Um, but yeah, and uh, postpartum is, I think, Statistically, um, the textbooks always say that there is, you know, a certain amount of postpartum, Hmm. but I don't think that clinically we see as much um, because of the the various factors and stigma that's associated around with it. Got it. Um, I have never seen to this day... um, especially an Indian female coming in for postpartum. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe like gynecology, like OB-GYNs. Uh, yeah. I think they, they are very, like, because it's part of their routine checkup after the pregnancy. Yeah. So they come across it more. But for us to come across that is yeah. very, very, So you very mean hard. it doesn't prolong to a point. It just, after a while, it kind of, your body kind of gets everything that it needs and kind of gets out of that phase. Is that what you're saying? That it doesn't prolong to the point that they need uh, help like as you were saying well so the obgyns also prescribe medications for postpartum got it and so sometimes they just kind of take control of that there 
Mm. But uh, a lot of the times, people don't seek help, help. Okay. Um, at all, you know, for the longest time. And these things keep getting worse and worse and worse. Right. And they come to a psychiatry clinic maybe three or four years after. Right. And when we look back at the history, you know, and we see, so when did your problem start? Oh, after I had my first kid. Mm. Oh, and then things have just gotten worse from there. Yep. And I've never been the same again. That's a pretty classic line. They say like, yeah, after my first pregnancy, I've never been the same again. And so that's okay, right? Like after three or four years, because symptoms have gotten that bad and it's not related to postpartum anymore. Now it's okay for them. They feel like it's a little bit more acceptable to come into the clinic. But if you do that right after your delivery, um, that stigma is still very strongly there. Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to like, I just want to specifically maybe talk about depression because everybody like people don't know if they're in depression or not right i mean i just wanted to see if we can kind of talk about it kind of if somebody is going through this how would they at least know that they need help so the signs of depression are obviously feeling very low you know sad most of the time you kind of wake up and you're just already waking up with a very kind of sad disposition and then you feel very sluggish you feel tired um you can either have trouble going to sleep and staying asleep or sleeping too much. You can even have aches and pains, like your Mm. body feels very achy. Um, You don't find joy in the things that you used to do. And all your hobbies have just kind of fallen. So, and you just kind of, you you always feel like there's like a dark cloud or this heavy feeling or this wet blanket just kind of on you all day, every day. And clinical depression, like that needs to, so you need to be feeling like that for six weeks or more. And so one of my mentors uh, explained to me, uh, you know, he's like, if you ever want to picture what your patient feels like when they're depressed, think of when you have the flu Mm. and just take away the fever and the upper respiratory symptoms. But you know, the, 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 that crappy feeling that you have of not wanting to get up, you just don't have energy for anything. Now imagine that having that for years on end. Got it. And it just never getting better. And that's when I was like, whoa, that's insane. Because even when I get a head cold, like, it, you know, it knocks the wind out of me. So yeah. I can't even imagine somebody like living that way for, for years or most of their life. Right. Um, and for some people, when they're like five or six years old, because it's such a genetic thing and never feeling what a normal uh, like uh, feeling is, you know, because yeah. of always, ever since they remember they've always felt this felt like this yeah. yeah so they kind of feel like this is normal for them yeah yeah um okay. and then when it comes to so if you're feeling all of these things right um when it comes to seeking help the you don't have to wait until things get bad right if you recognize that something's going on then you can always reach out and get help and start seeing a therapist first mm-hmm. okay you know, a lot of the things that even when I have one requirement for my patients, all my patients, if they don't do this, I don't see them. And I can mm-hmm. tell them clearly at the first appointment, which is if I'm seeing you and I'm managing, and you're going to go on medications, I need you to have a therapist. Got it. If you don't have a therapist, sorry, I can't help you because medications can help, but they're not going to be your fix all. Yeah. And there's a lot of the, a lot of the things that contribute to depression. So you can right. have depression just because, genetics um, but a lot of the things that make depression worse over time um, can be 
taken care of. Like you mm. could work on those things, right? Okay. For you to be able to work on those things, you need somebody who can help you work through them. Right. Um, and, and you can be accountable to somebody. And so that's why therapy is very important. And in a lot of the cases, when you start to see these early signs of depression and you start with therapy, the outcome for those patients are much better than patients who put off therapy. So at least, you know, somebody can start from there. And if you've been on therapy, it will, um, if it doesn't at least, you know, get rid of your symptoms, 90% or 95% will at least help you kind of tone them down greatly mm-hmm. yeah. for a number of years Got it. until, um, you know, uh, you really feel like uh, you, you're in need of medications. Got it. So, so, so you're saying that it can be a phase, it can be for some time, but you kind of can get out of it and you won't need medication. So it depends. So depends on the individual. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of the people um, <clears throat> that come in and we're talking about organic depression, which means you have some sort of physiological, biological issue going on right? okay. because of genetics, like you're not making a certain uh, chemical uh, or you're not absorbing it enough or you're not holding on to it long enough. Uh, you don't have enough things that can hold on to this chemical for long enough. Yeah. There's a variety of theories. Um, but if that's going on, then that means that depression is going to be part of your life. Yeah. Like the way that a heart defect might be or yeah. the way that you know diabetes or any of these chronic conditions are. But what you have to do about it might change from what phase you're in to what, you know, what's going on in your life. So yeah. Uh, typically a lot of the kids that you see that are coming from families that have like everybody in their family has uh, depression. The typical story goes like, oh yeah, I was like five years old and I remember just crawling up in my bed and crying and having no idea why I was depressed or why I was sad or sad or why I was crying. And then I just remember that that feeling never left me and I was always sad after that. So in that timeline, when they're younger, uh, typically there might not be need for medication because there's not much stress going on in their life. But as they get older, they start getting into maybe late middle school, high school, a lot of different stressors come about and you know, keeping up with school. And they, especially like if you just don't have, don't have the energy for it. Right. Uh, and the severity of the d- symptoms dictates treatment plan as well. So if you have milder depression, then yeah, doing therapy and all of that can help for a long time. Typically, when people get into adulthood, there's a huge amount of stress, and that's when people's um, the symptoms usually peak. And that's typically when they end up needing medications. And then when they get into retirement and things kind of slow down in their life, then they're like, yeah, I don't really feel like I need medications at this point. Where And this is somebody who maybe has maybe mild depression. But yeah. if you have severe depression, then these people tend to need medication through and through. Hmm. Um, then you have inorganic depression, which is happening because of uh, some sort of external factor. Right. Somebody passes away, some trauma, something like that, um, or some biological uh, components like maybe hormone dysregulation, thyroid issues, you know, pregnancy and delivery, like those kind of things. And if it is very, it's if it's driven by like the underlying thing is something that we can fix, like a thyroid issue or. Uh, you know, chemical uh, or hormone regulation. If you can do that and you start to feel better, then you might not need a medication anymore. Got it. This is a lot of information. I might have to, uh, after the podcast, listen to my own podcast, like at least two, three times. 
just to assimilate all this information that you're giving me. This is such, I mean, why do you think we, is it because as you were saying, is a stigma that we don't, we have not been interested in getting to know this or what is the few things do you think we should know about mental health, you know, as, as individuals, you know, uh, if you want to say, Hey, you should know these three things, what would those three things be, you know, for any individual who's listening? I think one thing is, which is, I think very important is to have the discussion. Hmm. And to be open to it. Um, Because, again, because of the various factors that are happening and and that give rise to the the risk factors for depression and anxiety, um, it is more likely that you're going to come across somebody that has depression or anxiety, even though um, their family history might be clean. Right. And so... Um, going in with the mentality like, oh, your life is perfect, or, you know, um, uh, we don't have these kind of things in our community. Mm-hmm. You know, be open to the fact that this is a real problem and um, be there for that person and, um, and, and do what is necessary, um, which includes definitely praying for that person, but also checking up and making sure that that person, you know, especially... Um, I think if you have that relationship with that person uh, to be very uh, open and genuine, right. uh, letting them know that, Hey, maybe you do need some sort of treatment, whether it's therapy or whether it's medication, like you need to go talk to somebody who's a professional. Yeah. Right? So definitely being open about it. And second to understand that um, it can happen to you as well. That's what I was thinking, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Am I going not to in the that? sense like n- not to be, like not not in a pessimistic way, but to mm-hmm. to know that you know, especially I think as a female in the Indian community, um, it's important to know that a lot of these things that happen, like a lot of depression and anxiety, mental health issues that happen for females um, in our community, happen because of a lot of biological issues, right? Right. So if something is going on, like please go and check it out, yeah. you know, and, and do your research and pay attention to yourself because there are things where if you are uh, neglecting your health and you're not paying attention to these things, then uh, down the line, it can become serious enough. Right. Um, And that can be preventive. Right. So, so to pay attention to your bodies and um, it's, it's, I think it's a nature for a lot of like females um Mm -hmm. community to be very you know like you're always taking care of other people yeah the martha mentality yeah and it's very important to to know that um a lot of these chemical issues can cause depression and anxiety and that you have to be aware of that and 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 kind of check yourself Um, and then the third thing would be the the faith aspect of this is irreplaceable because to be honest when i see a lot of patients right like they're talking about a lot of things that have happened to them and it makes sense why depression and anxiety is happening but we also see a lot of our chetans and chechis who go through so many things but never go into depression because their faith is so strong right Mm -hmm. now i'm not saying that this is like a jesus pill Right. right. Because we have to do a very good job of differentiating between physical and biological issues that are causing depression right. versus things that are happening in our life 
that can pull us into depression because we are not taking these things with faith. Yeah. Right. And so, and even when it, it comes to the, those physical and biological things, when you're feeling that way, you know, Jesus is right there. Yeah. Um, so many times, um, you know, when you, when you um, uh, read all these, there's a lot of good Catholic books um, on depression and anxiety and mental health. And you, right. When you read these authors, you see like how beautifully they were able to go through that season and their time of right. their life because the Lord was there and there was a purpose for that suffering and the way that they were feeling. Right. Yeah. And so, yes, there, there is a purpose in, in that aspect as well. But given the fact that there's all these other things that are happening around us, all these other variables, like, you know, the, the, the bad food habits or the adulterated food that's happened that we're uh, uh, ingesting day in and day out the kind of lifestyle that we're leading, the, the stagnant or sedentary lifestyles, um, sometimes being disconnected, coronavirus and being isolated. Yeah. And, just yeah. so many, and a lot of just things, um, you know, that, that can come our way in our life um, has the potential to drag us down into depression yeah. if we don't take these things with faith. So right. that's definitely a big one. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't want to, like take a lot of time but i think we i think we are uh towards the end of our conversation today when you were talking about covid and isolation of course we are stuck in our homes for like two weeks four weeks and uh, i think we might be stuck for a long time and this can create some sense of you know because we're not human beings who are stuck in place we're kind of explorers we like to go out and what do you think uh we need to like do by which we can avoid being mentally you know not feeling well or you know can go to a sense some sense of depression i think one thing is we oh and i'm tell and this is something that i tell my patients as well you know it's like all all our lives we complain about not having enough time hmm. right to take care of ourselves yeah. to to do all these things that we wanted to do but never having enough time especially for parents because they have all these different things that they need to attend to for their kids you know practices and performances and all this stuff and uh it's hard to be it's hard for everybody to meet at the dinner table together yeah um and all these things right and so finally the lord is giving us this time to be together <laughs> right so yeah. do what you need to do for yourself during this time because you cannot ever have an excuse that i don't have time like this exactly. is the one time yeah. you're gonna have all that Exactly. So pay attention to yourself and, and cultivate these habits and all these things that you always wanted to right? mm. um, and keeping yourself busy. The second thing is um, it's very, very important to maintain a schedule. Right. It's extremely important because your body is made to run on a cycle, right? It depends on the sun to rise so that it can drop your melatonin levels so they can wake up and feel energetic it wants to be fed at a certain time and you know has all this energy requirements that they need to be um, expended and then it needs to go to sleep at a certain time yeah if you don't do that you it will take a toll on your physical body Got it. So, so you know making sure that you're getting enough sunlight during this time and being physically active and having a routine is in place is extremely, extremely important more important, than yeah. any other time in your life. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is um, it's okay to have a little bit of anxiety during this time. Hmm. Um, I think people uh, 
need to have a little bit of anxiety at this time so that one, you know, we do what we are supposed to do right. um, and stay inside and, and wash our hands and take care of ourselves the way that we're supposed to be doing. But second, so that we can join with our brothers and sisters across the world mm-hmm. um, and, and share in their pain and sorrow, right? Um, a little bit like um, sharing in that anxiety that they're going through, sharing in that suffering that they're going through. Right. And this is a time, this is a really good time to extend your personal prayer time or your family prayer time a little bit. Yeah. And maybe reflect on what is happening around the world and bring that to prayer and really find the consolation in the Lord. Mm. Right? Last Sunday when um, the reading went, you know, I was really struck by um, the, the, the gospel reading where it said Jesus wept. Yeah. Right? And I could just, the whole week I've been meditating on that because right. I was like, I could just imagine every time I go in personal prayer, I just like see Jesus there. It's like weeping and weeping and weeping for what's happening in the world right now. Even, you know, and and I was like, Lord, you could just snap your fingers and this whole thing would be over, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and, and obviously it wouldn't be attributed to anything other than a miracle, Mm. right? This is like, nobody would be like, oh yeah, because it reached its peak and then it, you know, started to get better or somebody came up with a vaccine or cure. No, if you want to tell the world that, hey, you need to believe in me, like snap your fingers and this coronavirus is gone. Yeah. But instead you're sitting there and you're just weeping with us, mm-hmm. right? And to me, that was such a beautiful picture that I just wanted to sit in in the presence of the Lord and weep with him, yeah. right? Lord, let's weep together. Yeah. And I feel like if that kind of um, anxiety or that stress or that sadness wasn't there, um, that time of prayer wouldn't with the Lord wouldn't have come about either. Yeah, so I agree. It's it's okay to be yeah. a little bit sad and a little bit anxious during this time. Yeah, I mean I agree. I mean we have in our own family and I was talking to it with other people who came on the podcast was like an eye opening experience for me personally. Like because we and my wife and we for us it's we've realized how important it is like just to spend some time in family and family prayer. We obviously had that but then we realized during this particular situation and this what we are going through that it's extremely important for us to like go through a regular and consistent time of prayer and also to you know invite Jesus into this situation and kind of be with him and be in his presence you know and kind of be united by everybody and we were we I was talking to uh, one of our friends last week and we were talking about how Pope Francis uh, was doing the adoration and we were all around the world united with him, you know, it felt like we were all together. Like even though we are separated, even though you are in Austin or there are people in Houston, in Delhi, uh, UK, you know, it just feel, it felt like we were all together. And um, there has to be a reason why the Lord wants us to go through this and we'll, we'll figure it out in time. (laughs) <laughs> um, maybe never <laughs> the, the beauty i mean yeah and that's that's what you said is so important right because if you look at all the beautiful things that are happening yeah. like it's amazing and uh, that's the other thing i think the last thing would be to also take some time out in the day to find the goodness right mm. yeah to find creative ways to be good and to be kind and to reach out to people yeah. if that includes like calling people out calling people up and um, or, you know, finding some ways to be generous and kind, yeah. uh, supporting local businesses or whatever that is, like doing your part, but also like finding the goodness around the world to see what is going on and how the, the most amazing parts of the human 
race are it's coming out because everybody is in that mode of helping each other right yeah. and all these amazing sacrifices that are being made um but also like even in the faith aspect like amazing things even from the movement that are coming out right like from crowns to glory like that is yeah. amazing such yeah. an amazing amazing initiative that's coming up um and like where else can we find if it wasn't for our faith to take something such such a like devastating thing and see the most beautiful thing that's coming from it yeah i mean i think many people have spoken to many people who have taken the situation and uh, and surprised themselves you know and they kind of rising above the situation to be creative talk to people um help people out you know and uh, no it's like i like the fact that we as a humanity never stop yeah like we struggle we yeah. know that but we'll figure out a way to fix it mm-hmm. you know and uh, there are so many creative ways by which people are coming out crown and glory is one of those uh, in delhi uh, they did a virtual cross connection which is their every month program uh, and uh, the people in italy who are doing the zoom calls mm-hmm. they're doing people uh, who are doing praise and worships uh, recorded praise and worships in the uk mm-hmm. so it's amazing the way the world is collaborating and kind of coming together to bring the joy that we need right of course that's how it is so i just wanted to say thank you so much for coming i think we should do one more or maybe <laughs> thank more you so much for having me for help you know for letting me speak about something that's such a such an amazing thing like it's so close to my heart and like yeah. it just makes me so joyful just to talk about it yeah i mean it was a it was a revelation for me i've i've known things here and there but i've never understood it the way you kind of broke it down and and i know we need more time to kind of expand on it and probably we'll do that later when we get some time but i i really appreciate you coming and uh, for for everybody who's listening you know i hope it has been useful you know helpful and if just for anybody who's going through some situation based on the conversation see what you can do if you need something always reach out for help you know and if you are somebody uh, who knows someone who is going through a situation uh, help them uh, the way you can based on the conversation that we had and of course there is more uh, you can always reach out to us and of course if you want i can connect you with jolly uh, yeah. <laughs> i mean that would be amazing yes please yeah Of course. Yeah. Yeah, and this is this is this is something that we need to talk about. Mental health is important as important as we take care of as for me this one takeaway for me is you take care of your body and one of the parts of your body is your brain. So you have to take care of that. So uh so let's not uh, let's not sit on it. Uh let's be open enough and let's uh, break the stigma that we have around mental health and uh, well thank you once again. I appreciate it and I uh, wish to do this once again. Yes, I'd love yeah. to. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah.